0: This is My Travel Reviews coming to you from Sydney, Australia with Gary Bembridge. My Travel Reviews, the podcast of first-hand travel experience by and for people with a passion for travel. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. Don't forget that you can find the various sites and things that are referred to in the podcast on my blog, which is mytravelreviews.blogspot.com. As I said in the introduction, I am here in Sydney and quite a lot to talk to you about. I'm going to talk about four major things. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about just some general observations, getting to Australia, visas, that kind of stuff. I'm going to tell you about three different hotels that I stayed in in the week that I was here. And there's a whole story behind that. But I'll tell you about three hotels. One great hotel, one good hotel, and one absolutely lousy hotel. I'm going to tell you about a couple of restaurants, two of which are very good, one of which probably to avoid. And, and finally, 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 I'm going to tell you about ten things to do when you're in Sydney. That's the plan for today. So join me for my travel reviews from Sydney. Right, so let's kick off, shall we? If you're visiting Australia, you have to have a visa. Whatever you do, you've got to have a visa. And in reality, it's not really a visa. It seems to be more of a tax. And you can get a visa incredibly easy. All you do is there is a site, which the government has, the Australian government has, which has a very complicated and long URL URL instead of having something simple like australianvisa.com or something. But anyway, I will put a link to that onto my blog. So you get a visa, you can just apply for it online. Very simple, pay a little bit of money. When you arrive in Sydney Airport, and I guess it's true of any airport, they are very, very strict on screening for agricultural product. They will have a number of uh, buckets and basins and all sorts of things that you can put things like apples or uh, fruit or whatever you've got. And if any doubt, throw it away. There are quite strict penalties. And they actually do a screening of your bags when you come into the country, which seems to be manned by an incredibly large amount of people and seems to employ zillions of people doing it. But anyway, they do an agricultural screening. And if you've got things like biscuits, fruit, etc., they they ask you about that, and there are a lot of fines. Just one other observation about Sydney. There are a lot of cabs around, but... My experience with cabs is they didn't seem that knowledgeable, which was quite a surprise because Sydney is not a particularly big city uh, at all, really, and the cabs didn't seem very knowledgeable. They seemed a little bit surly, to be honest. Not that cheap, but anyway, there are a lot of cabs around, and generally it's quite easy to, to get a cab. I stayed in three different hotels, and let me tell you a little bit about those three hotels. I stayed in the Citygate Gate Siebel, which is an Albion Street near the main station. I stayed in the Sydney Harbour Marriott which is right down on the famous harbour that you will all recognise uh, which is called Circular Quay and I stayed at the Shangri-La which is a, just a little bit further down from that which is more on what is called the Rocks which is part that goes along the side of the harbour towards the famous Sydney Harbour Bridge. Now the Citygate Sebel in Albion Street is an awful hotel and we actually got booked in there by the people who'd arranged the conference that I was on. It's absolutely awful. It's a terrible part of town. You know, there is a tattoo parlor. There's a massage parlor. All the shops have bars on it. It's just full of cheap backpacker hotels. Uh, it's just a nasty, nasty hotel. It's very cheap, as you would expect. It's not a place for women who are traveling by their themselves or even maybe a group to go i wouldn't advise walking around the outside there the rooms are very basic i will put photographs and a little video onto my blog uh, or links to it on my blog and the blog just to remind you is my that's a city gate seat but it's very cheap and, and in all senses of the words and you'll see some photographs and stuff that i didn't like it at all they have things like vending machines and it's just horrible and so don't if you if you're looking for somewhere cheap, there's a hotel stay there, but it's not a great area, part of town, and it's got a lot of kind of... It's obviously got a lot of package to it kind of stuff. The second hotel that I said, because it was so bad, that I actually moved out on the first weekend that I was here, and I booked at the Sydney Harbour Marriott. Now, I actually booked via their website, and generally the tip with all hotels is book on the website, their own hotel website. You might search on Expedia. You might search on Travelocity. You might search on laterooms.com. They're all great sites, but always go and double-check the rate on the, once you've found a room on those sites, go and double-check on the particular hotel website. You will normally find the cheapest rate. The Marriott guarantees the cheapest rates online on their site. I got a very nice room in the Sydney Harbour. It was part of a weekend package which included some toiletries that you got. Uh, you got breakfast included, um, a few other bits and pieces. That was a great room. I actually took a room which has a view of the harbor, although, to be honest, it's slightly misleading because you kind of have to lean a little bit against the window to see it. But it is a stunning view. And again, I'll put a little video clip of that room. It's a lovely, lovely room, very rich and comfortable and great beds and uh, great facilities. The gym was very good. The restaurant that I ate in there was was pretty good called Icons, uh, which chooses buffet or you can have a la carte, a very nice place. Not over the top, not overly expensive, it was it was very nice, you can choose city view rooms or harbour harbor view rooms. It's worth paying a little bit extra for the harbour view, because even though it's not a great, you don't quite see it, you have to look out the window, it is a great view. The other hotel I stayed in, which is at the end of my conference, because I just couldn't stay in the City Gate Seville anymore, was the Shangri-La. The reason I chose the Shangri-La is I thought it might, well I wanted to try a different hotel, and I thought it might actually have slightly better views. Um, which it clearly does have if you book on that particular side if you don't you book on the other side they grandly call it um, a view of Darling Harbour but you really actually if you're on the lower floor I'm on the seventh floor you overlook the, the, the turnpike or the toll booth or whatever you want to call it you don't really see the harbour but there's a huge variance in the cost of rooms based on views it looks a pretty nice hotel the rooms I think in the Marriott were nicer again I'll put a video clip of this room on the site so you can take a look at that so you'll be able to look at three video clips of of that and some photographs of that it's a pretty comfortable room I'm in a room which actually has two sort of double beds and uh, good sized bathroom, that kind of stuff pretty nice they have right at the top on the 36th floor or was it the 37th floor anyway right at the top they have a bar which has staggeringly beautiful views across the harbour across the opera house etc and a restaurant which has some up-and-coming chefs or something. Again, do the same thing. Check on their website for the cheapest deal. You can get some pretty good deals, uh, and often they include various packages and things. So that's three hotels, one to avoid. Shangri-La, I would say, is the middle choice, and my recommendation really would be the Sydney Harbour Marriott. It was really, really nice indeed. So assuming you've got here, you've got your visas, you've got through the agricultural screening, you've, you've got through the cabs, through their surliness, and you've chosen the hotel, hopefully not the city gate SIBO. What on earth is there to do in Sydney? Now there's a lot to do in Sydney, and that's driven both by the fact that I guess they're trying to get off tourists here, so they're trying to find lots of things things for them to do. It's a relatively big city, not actually as big as I seem to remember from when I was here before. And I guess with the Olympics, which they keep telling you was the best Olympics ever, which I guess it probably was based on the reports that you hear. There is a lot to do. So what are the kind of things to do? There's 10 things that I would suggest you think about doing, the first of which is something that I generally would recommend pretty much any city you go to, which is to get on one of the bus tours, the ones the on-off hop on, on on-and-off bus tours. They have the red bus. They have other types, but the red bus is probably the best one. It has 26 stops. If you went on the whole thing, it would be about two and a bit hours. It runs at every 20 minutes frequency at least main sort of place it starts, if you like, a circular key, which is, if you're staying at the Marriott or 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 the Shangri-La, it's right there in front of in front of you, and it starts at eight forty a.m. The last one I think leaves at five twenty p.m., gets back at seven thirteen p.m., and if you miss the bus, you can just use it on the normal bus network so you can get back. But it goes around everything. It goes the Harbour Bridge, Opera House, Darling Harbour, Kings Cross. Just get on and off. It's air conditioned, so that's pretty good if it's you know sort of 30 40 degrees in in summer there's a commentary that goes and it's it's pretty good so that's the first thing it also helps you decide where you want to go or not go so keeping that area which is that circular key area with the famous harbor the the other thing to then think about doing particularly if you're a little bit brave um, and um, i'm not really very brave but i do know people who are which is to go on the bridge climb and there is i'll put the link to the site on that one again for the bridge climb. And they, they built it as the climb of your life, and it's bridgeclimb.com I think is the site. Now everyone knows that I- iconic shape of that amazing bridge, and it is an amazing bridge. It was built in 1932, but they've only recently started, um, I think about 2002, they've only just started doing uh, the tours where you can actually climb right up the top, and what happens is it takes about three and a half hours altogether, and you literally climb all the way up to the top you get given a special suit, like a little jumpsuit thing. If you go at night, because you do it at night, you get a lamp, and you have some sort of like little walkie-talkies, and you climb 134 meters above sea level, and it must be absolutely staggering. People that I know who've been just say it is absolutely just incredible. You need to have a head for heights, clearly. And they do some tests before you go where they test that you've been drinking and that stuff, and, which is a pity, really, probably, because you probably need a bit of Dutch courage to get up there. And... Uh, it just will be absolutely stunning. You can see people climbing up. I think they leave about every fifteen minutes or every 12, 15 minutes. So there are a lot of people go up there. You climb up one side and you come down the other side. So that's something to really think about if you've got a head for heights. And as I said, I'll put the the, the link on to the the into the vlog. It's it is thebridgeclimb.com. The third thing to do while you're still in that area, of course of course, of course, of course, is to visit the Sydney Opera House. Now the Sydney Opera House, just from the outside, is is, is pretty amazing and, and pretty stunning in itself. But there's a couple of tours that you can do which are, are well, well, well worth doing. So the tours that they offer are, they have one which is early in the morning, which starts at 7am, and that's the backstage tour, which actually gets you right into where the conductor is, You get to go in the scenery dock. You get to go in the dressing rooms. Only eight people can do that. It takes two hours, and you get a bit of breakfast, etc. But that's um, a pretty good one. The one which most people do is the tour of the house, which is where you get to go see more about the architecture. You hear about the history. You hear what's on. That happens every half an hour between 9 o'clock and 5 o'clock. You get a soft drink, tea, and coffee. And you can book all those uh, either on by telephone or through the website. Again, I'll put it on. The site and that's sydneyoperahouse.com. Now, the Sydney Opera House was designed actually not by an Australian tour but by a Danish architect, and I'll pronounce his name incorrectly. But Johan Utzon, U T Z O N, it was completed in 1973 and it cost 102 million dollars. I think the original budget was probably a fifth of that. It's very I mean, it's just stunning. It is absolutely just an amazing building, to just, and you can get great photographs, and the roof is just incredible with all these little tiles and everything. They have an opera theater, they have a concert hall, and they have a studio theater, and you can get packages for dinners and shows and all sorts of stuff. So the Sydney Opera House is the other thing to do when you're in that area. The fourth thing I would recommend while you're still in that area is to go on some kind of harbor trip. Now, I think the best one is actually... The ferry, there's a ferry system that runs, but there's lots of other commercial trips that run, uh, Captain Cook cruises, they've got piles of brochures, and you'll find those in the lobby of the hotel that you're staying in, even the, the uh, city at Siebel had lots of them. But anyway, they have lots and lots of different different tours of different lengths and different costs, everything from one hour to hours and hours. But I actually think, and talking to people who live in Sydney, city, the best one to go on is actually the The ferry. which which means you can also sit outside and go on the ferry to Manly, which is where there's other beaches and things. And that's, I think it's about half an hour to get there, about half an hour back. And that's probably the best one to do. And it's it's also the most inexpensive one to do. So that's what you can do that part. The next thing to do is to move across to the next harbour, which is one down, which is also where all the cruise ships and things come in. And that's called Darling Harbour. And Darling Harbour is a little bit more touristy and, and feels a little bit more constructed. And they have... Three big attractions, four big attractions there actually. The Powerhouse, which is a big sort of innovative Australian museum. They have the Maritime Museum, which costs nothing to get in and it has a submarine and a old warship and stuff. A very big IMAX theatre. And then what is billed as the number one attraction is the aquarium. So I've actually pulled the aquarium out as a separate number six thing to do because Darling Harbour, all those bits and pieces, you can kind of have a look around and whatnot. And pop in and pop out in the shops and there's little sushi restaurants and all that kind of stuff then there's the aquarium which you should almost then pull out as a separate thing it's open from 9 o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at, at night and it is billed as I said as Australia's number one attraction they have crocodiles um, platypuses sea dragons stuff from the barrier reef seals sanctuaries all kinds of stuff They they claim to have over 11,000 Um, aquatic animals of some kind or another there they have what they bill again as the world's greatest collection of sharks and the seal seal sanctuary which is relatively relatively new so that's worth having a look at and the site is sydneyaquarium.com.au and again I'll put that on so that's the sick thing to do and that's in the Darling Harbour area the next thing to do is if you're into gardens and, and that kind of stuff there's two garden things there's the botanical gardens which is uh, just if you're facing with the harbor behind you, is, is to the left and kind of up a bit and is, is near things like the Intercontinental and hotels like that. And it's a beautiful, beautiful garden. A lot of people go running there at lunchtime, that kind of stuff, or in the mornings. And there's also the Chinese garden. Now, I didn't get to go to the Chinese garden, but it is supposed to be quite amazing. And it's claimed to be the largest garden of its type outside China. And it's actually quite central, and you can get that quite easily from Darling Harbour um, on the monorail. And the stop is the Garden Plaza monorail. Now, the monorail I haven't really spoken about, but they have built this monorail which zoots around sort of the the, the right-hand side of the town, if you like, going Darling Harbour up to the shops, up to Central Station and stuff, a little circular thing. And that's quite fun to go on, actually, because the monorail has clearly been added much later and sort of zooms it above some of the main roads and stuff and it's pretty inexpensive but it's very inexpensive to go on and you can get to from darling harbour to the chinese garden very easily on the monorail so the eighth thing to do is clearly you've got to go to the sydney olympic park if you've come all the way to sydney and the olympics is what i guess really kind of cranked up australia's um, fame if you like So at the Olympic Park, they've actually just done some new tours and things. I guess I'm suspecting what happened is is people visiting it went down, so they've cranked it up a bit. And there you can go and look at things like um, the, the, uh, I've forgotten what it's called now, the cauldron thing, big cauldron there, this big cauldron thing with water flowing down, which runs from 8 o'clock in the morning to 8 o'clock at night. You can go now on a behind-the-scenes tour at Telstra Stadium which is where the opening and closing ceremonies were. And they've done a whole big new thing there to kind of make it more interactive and more interesting and all that kind of stuff. You could drive there if you've got a car and you've hired a car or whatever because there's thousands of parking spaces there. You can find out more about the park and you can find out more about the, the, the trips that go on there through sydneyolympicpark.com.au. In fact, many sites in Australia have the .com.au. So that's that's the eighth kind of thing you would, you would do or could do. Now, if you—the last two I'm going to do are more central, and the first of those is to go to the Sydney Tower, and Trek and the soon to be opened SkyWalk. Now, basically, this is a huge, big tower um, in the centre of town, uh, above some some sort of the main shopping area. It's actually above center point Shopping Centre, the corner of Pitt and Market Streets, and Pitt and Market, and that whole area is really where the, where all the big shopping stuff is. And Sydney Tower is a very tall tower. You can go all right up at There's three hundred and sixty degree. Views over the harbour. It's two hundred and fifty metres above the city streets, and you can just get an incre- incredible, incredible view all the way around. And then they built this kind of ride, the Oztrek which is a simulated ride, and it's one of those kind of things where you sit in a uh, in a moving chair kind of thing, and then it's like an IMAX thing, and it and it kind of whisks you around all sorts of stuff, and you go to the, over the harbour bridge, opera house, Bondi Beach whitewater rafting Aussie rule football buffalo etc etc it's kind of just kind of like a fun kind of ride but they're also opening a new attraction because clearly they think that people like heights in, in Australia with the success of the bridge climb and they're opening this thing which is called the the sky walk and that's going to be very high up and they, we actually go out of the tower onto the roof and they're building this kind of glass walkway where you're actually going to be walking above the streets on this glass walkway and uh, that sounds kind of scary and that's opening very very soon so that's also worth checking out at that area so you're down in that area you've gone up the tower you've done your simulated ride if you've gone now you've probably done your little walk thing then you go the last thing of all you go shopping now shopping in Australia is pretty good I'm not sure the prices are particularly fantastic but it's very concentrated around uh, a couple of places, and I've already mentioned Pitt and Market. But you have Castle Ray Street, which is which is just off Pitt, sort of like parallel to Pitt. And that's they bill as, as Sydney's answer to Manhattan's Fifth Avenue. But you have your Versace's, your Hermes, your Chanel, your Louis Vuitton, your Prada's, etc. around there. And also Emporio Armani's a little bit further down. So you have all your designer stuff there, and it's all close together, concentrated so you can pop between them. And they are very beautiful stores, as all of those stores are all around the world. Close by is the Queen Victoria building which is a very pretty building and it's it's been there for about a hundred years and it's, it's just a lovely building and it looks great and it's full of kind of more boutique-y kind of stuff. has lots of cafes and restaurants, that kind of stuff. Then you've got the Galleries Victoria which they like to build as Harvey Nichols although it's not strictly like that because it's just not because it's more independent stores than, and Harvey Nichols is more like one store. But it does have, it's, again, a very nice thing, the Galleries of Victoria. There's lots of stuff in their bookshops, specialty shops, glass, artworks, that fashion kind of stuff, um, and that's very nice. And then linked to that is the One Martin Place, which, again, is, has a long history. It was opened in 1874. It used to be the, the post office, and uh, this has got more bars and restaurants and food stuff. Again, it's got a bit of fashion as well. But it's all very concentrated in one space, so it's, it's very, 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 very easy to, to get around. So those are ten things to do in Sydney. You'd go on your bus tour, which would also help you decide where you want to go, you'd go on your bridge climb, your opera house, you'd go on a harbour ride, probably on the ferry, you'd then go to Darling Harbour, have a meander around, have something to eat, look at the powerhouse, the Maritime Museum, or the IMAX Theatre, go to the aquarium, you'd then sort of go to some gardens, Chinese gardens, botanical gardens, go out to the Olympic Park. In town you'd go to the the tower, this new skywalk thing, the simulator ride and do a bit of shopping. That's pretty much what you could do in Sydney. So the last thing I want to do is talk about a couple of restaurants. Uh, Two very nice restaurants I went to, and they are very expensive. They're kind of London, Paris prices, but they are very nice. One of which is called Cafe Sydney. Um, For two people, it costs about 200 Australian dollars, actually, just for a a glass of wine, a starter, a main course, fours kind of thing. It's at the top of Custom House. Which is right again in the front there by the harbour, has a great, great view. And in summer, you can actually sit outside, which must be pretty stunning. It was kind of closed a little bit more, so we sat inside because it's sort of a bit wintry at the moment. Very nice restaurant. It's very gloomy and dark when you walk into the restaurant up on the fifth floor. You can't really see what's going on, but there's a very trendy uh, cocktail bar, and it's very nice. The food is great. Uh, it was, as I said, a little bit pricey, but that's Cafe Sydney, and that's in Custom House again. I'll put the link to the site there. It's very popular, apparently, for three things. I went with a friend from Sydney, and she said there's three things. A lot of corporate kind of stuff. So people go there for kind of celebrations or whatever. Lots of tourists go there. I guess that was me. And the last one is it's the sort of place you might go on a romantic date. So you might go on a corporate romantic date, tourist thing. But it was very nice. And Customs House is very interesting. It's, it's all been converted into this very trendy sort of library thing. And they have this huge model of Sydney, which is underneath a glass floor in the lobby, which is just amazing and really worth going to look at. Nearby to that, the second restaurant, which I would also recommend if you're looking for somewhere very nice to go, is called Aria. It's the Aria restaurant. And it's at one, and I always pronounce this wrongly, Goulom Street, G-U-I-L-L-A-U-M-E Street which is right at the end. It's the the furthest you can get before you get to the opera house. And there's actually a restaurant downstairs, which is called something else, restaurant upstairs, which is Aria. This is magical. This was very nice. Again, pretty pricey, beautiful food, beautiful decor, and actually a much better view than you would have at Cafe Sydney because you can actually look across to the, the, the bridge, which is just great. Those are two great restaurants. Another restaurant that we got taken to which I really didn't like, but apparently is very popular, is in Chinatown called Golden Century Chinese Fish Restaurant. It's on Sussex near Goulburn Street. It's a huge place. You go some escalators, it looks very grubby. It's packed, absolutely packed, and apparently it's very popular. It's all j- seafood. I really didn't like it. I thought it was a bit grubby and it felt a bit dirty, but it's incredibly popular, and that's apparently the thing to do. So, that's all we're going to be talking about today on My Travel Reviews. This is Gary Bembridge in Sydney doing this podcast. And I hope you join me for our next week's podcast when probably we will be talking about Dubai. And I'll be telling all about two places to stay in Dubai and a whole pile of stuff to do based on a recent visit I had to Dubai. So that's all for today. Until then, have happy travels. Remember to visit the website where you can get all links and more information which is mytravelreviews.blogspot.com Until then happy travels This was My Travel Reviews with Gary Bembridge, the podcast of first-hand travel experience by and for people with a passion for travel